Hello and welcome to the Over Underachievers. I'm one of your hosts, Max McCoy. Join me as always. He just negotiated a prison swap. It's Jason Waterfalls. Nope, not doing that. Thank Do you, you want to? <laughs> thank you for that opportunity. Well, let's just go right into it. Did you think Biden got enough? No, I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny, but it's funny. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. Sure. That issue's not funny, obviously. The discourse around it now where, like, I see sports writers being like, we couldn't have got, like, a player to be named later, like a prisoner to be named later. I'm just like, guys, I just don't know if this is the avenue where we should be talking because I don't know that we know. Welcome her home. Whatever happened, happened was not in our control. I mean, our control as a country, yes, but not as our individual people on Twitter and Instagram and sports podcasts listening. Uh, but yeah, wow. Uh, wow. Can I, can I, uh, it's a little early, but can I invite Conspiracy Knocks in really quick? Yeah, please. It'll be, it'll be chill. It'll be a chill conspiracy. <laughs> please, I promise. What a transition. Go ahead. Okay, come on in. All right. Uh, so you uh, always look my... to the same side when you invite him in. Yeah, because he sits over there while we record, he sits to the right. I, I get quarter. it, but he always sits to your right, no matter yeah. where you're recording from. You got to keep those guys on the right. So know. is he your right man, right hand man? Uh, I mean, because that says awkward. a lot about you, <laughs> <laughs> isn't he? Though, isn't he? Though, <laughs> didn't we already know that? Um, so uh, okay, come back on. Sorry, I had to push you away so I could talk. And then no, okay, all right. So it's my theory that uh, Russia was not ready to do the the prison prisoner swap, but they had to get out in front of this Putin falling and dookie in himself news. So they had to change the conversation. Okay. So, okay. You can go sit down. What do you think about that? I like that idea. I think that's a good one. Putin fell and dookie. You didn't hear about this dude. No, my man. Okay. I don't do any, I don't do any news except for sometimes I'll come across actual not sports news on Twitter. Pop culture and sports news is all I do. Like on the first episode of White Lotus, um, the hot couple, you know, Theo James and, and uh, Megan uh, Daphne, I think uh, her name, they were like, we just don't read the news. And everyone yes. was like, they're annoying, right? Like, they're so stupid. But I was like, that's kind of smart, probably. That's, that's, they seem that's like they're in a literally place. what I do. Yeah, they do, you know, uh, solicit uh, prostitutes and cheat on each other and leave condom wrappers like in, couch, in the French couches. But that's a, that's a whole other issue, you know. But I don't do that. What um what I think this was last week. So Putin like collapsed or like fell down some stairs or something. And there's reports that he also when that happened, he also dookied himself. Uh-huh. I don't I don't think the dookie happened first. I think he fell and then the dookie happened. Although I, I will leave room for the dookie happening and causing him to fall down the stairs. That does, that does make sense to me as well. So that's what conspiracy Knox is saying. That maybe he um, died. Maybe he's dead already. <sighs> No, I want him to be alive because no, I no, I'm saying be... like maybe he died and came back to life. Like he died because oh. when you die, you you know exit your bowels did you know that because you lose the tension i mean i didn't like know that but i i, I was aware that, that that stuff like that probably happened he died you know? and came back to life at the bottom of the stairs i mean it would be pretty terrible that if you died and like i resurrected but you have dookie on yourself immediately <laughs> like you're starting out pooped <laughs> what That's an episode start. start this is you know what I mean? like a lot of Putin and pooping. <laughs> we're starting hot. We're starting hot. So, so I'm I'm reading. You don't want to talk about the Brittany Griner. We're just gonna keep going. I'm glad away. she's Pivot home away. with her wife and family. Yep, it's good. It's good news. Um, we are not the people to talk about that, so we will we will not be talking about that. <laughs> but I do. Let's go ahead and get into these overreactions and underreactions um, because uh, obviously, since we last recorded, um, Coach Dion is no longer just a uh, uh, small uh, lowercase C coach. He is a big power five program coach at the university of Colorado. Um, uh, Andre had alerted us that there's a lot of smoke to this and it was looking like it was going to happen. I still didn't really believe it because it just felt like a strange fit. What did you think when you heard the news that it was official? Deion Sanders was going to Boulder. 
I still think it's a strange fit. I mean, it's Dion, and he is a, an entity of force unto himself and those around him. That seems to be for certain. And <laughs> that first speech he gave the team, boy, was that mm. motivational. I mean, it was clear. It was fair. <laughs> he set good expectations. He communicated what, what is going to happen. But that was not uh, that was not uh, uplifting. Let's just say that. But but maybe that's what that team exactly needs. But I, yeah. Colorado is a weird fit. It's a it's a weird fit, or maybe and, it's not. Well, I, what do we actually know about Colorado, like as a school? I know Cordell Sean Stewart. Salam, I know Cordell Michael Stewart. Westbrook, and I know Cordell Stewart. I know Bill McCartney. I think they got five downs like thirty years ago, and they won a national. Isn't title. that a Joel Klatt school? Isn't that Joel Klatt's school? I honestly don't know, but what I do know is it do, that press conference did feel like the beginning of. Um, you know, there are going to be other coaches who want to talk about character. You want to talk about integrity and developing your sons into young men with principles, but I'm just going to tell you what's like, what it actually is. And this is a marketplace and I need more room on the scholarship front and y'all are trash. So I need you to go ahead and get on out of here. There was a refreshing clarity to it. Do, do you think it's more likely that Dion jumped the gun and he got major interest and he just want to go ahead and, and, and make that move? Or do you think there is a degree of carte blanche with Colorado that he's like, there's not really any boosters that are going to give me a hard time. They're basically paying for everything on credit. So I don't have to answer to, to like a, like a moneymaker or rainmaker. I kind of like the, uh, the opportunity I have here. Absolutely. The second thing. And the fact that they, I don't know if this is the truth or not, but I read it on Twitter. So it's got to be true. Yeah, of course. They don't have the money to pay him his contract currently. That is true. Yeah, they're going to get it. They'll find it. So who, how are they paying the other coaches? They're going to do like a HELOC probably for the for the <laughs> campus. Rates are rates are tough, but you know, they just need the money, so they'll pay I just back. see you in another life being a mortgage broker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying HELOC a lot. Just trying to get, I'm try a better of the HELOC, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't my it. I'm a veteran of the HELOC. <laughs> I am. I'm a veteran of the HELOC. Um, not anymore. That was uh, our first house in Birmingham. We had a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of expenses we had to pay for. So uh, thank God to the HELOC. But I'm not paying for a college football coach with a HELOC. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not going to do that. And then, and then he got great, seemingly, I would say, great um, offensive and defensive coordinator hires. Yeah, Sean Lewis, uh, uh, Charles Kelly, uh, Tim Brewster, tight ends coach. That's secretly a really great hire. He got some really, really active recruiters. So how how are they paying for all this? Um, yeah, we'll figure know. it out. All right, we don't have to worry about how they pay for it because I do think it's the second thing. I think that he had other interests, certainly from other schools, maybe the Auburns of the world. I don't know for sure. You get all the credit. This is he's going to Matt Rule this situation. Matt Rule got tons of credit for turning around Temple. They were just terrible, and they were poorly coached. And then Matt Rule went there and coached them well. And then he got tons of credit for that. He turned he turned that into a Baylor job. And he turned that into Carolina Panthers job. Now, at Temple and Baylor, he did well. So we'll stop there from the Matt Rule of it all. Sure. But why why would you go to a middling school and then do a little bit better? Go to Colorado, and it feels like a full-on turnaround job, and you get all the credit. Yeah, I, I think the only concern I have is this is a uh, climate shift. Like literally a climate shift for Dion. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he... it is. Dion does Dion no matter where he is. 
No, I, I literally mean it's just going to be super cold, and I don't know that he's used to playing in that. And, you know, if nothing else, Ohio State's shown us that you can be high-flying, um, but when it gets cold, it's just cold. It's just cold for everybody. And I don't, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be, like, loving, you know, uh, it's snowing and being, like, sub-20 degrees and being on the sideline while Nebraska boat races him. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much of this, I think, feels swashbuckly. Like he's just going to take it by storm because I think what we all understand is this is not a long Dion's not going to be like the Nick Saban of Colorado. He is two, maybe three years and on to something bigger. Probably. Do you believe that? I, I do. I think this is, and that's, I that's can see him why. weirdly being here for a while. No, I think he, he's about the flash and the, and the sizzle, which he should be because he's Dion Sanders. But I think this was, I, I, part of me was surprised. I think the biggest reason I was surprised, because I thought he, if he would have held on, he could have snapped up an ACC he could have snapped up a Big East. He could have been anywhere on on the coast and gotten a pretty good Power Five job with um, not as much baggage that Colorado has negatively, financially speaking, right? But that, but I mean, we were joking about the finances earlier. But he doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. He's going to make them money. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I think it's more the power, and I think I think he has the power because he's going to make them money. Yeah, but I think there's there is such a um, institutional detriment of, of recruiting to Colorado. Like you're really just getting people, you're really just like planning a fire fest and be like, it'll be fine. I, I haven't been to the place yet. Like, like the house we just bought, we visited twice and we had to buy it. Cause that's what the ha- real estate market was. That's not what the coaching real estate market is. You don't have to buy Colorado. You could have gone somewhere else. So I don't really understand why he settled on that unless it was because the vacuum of power that he could consolidate uh, in totality. I totally agree. And here's my thing. Purdue came up a couple days later. If Purdue was open at the same time, do you think Dion would have gone to Colorado or Purdue? (laughs) There's no way he's going to Purdue. That's just not a culture fit. Why? Because it feels like... Same colors, same weird situation. I mean, their money is fine. But I just mean like, uh, you know, what what are they doing here in life? I think Dion at Purdue would have been incredible. Well, I I would have loved to see it. I do think for what he is doing, which is so specifically weird, and we'll talk about some of the weirder aspects of like the game of college football in a minute. I think he needed there to not be like an institutional um, uh, presence there because he's got it's it's the same thing that's always played Auburn is everyone thinks they're going to roll and I think that's why from what I've seen and read there was no Auburn was not interested in Dion and Dion was not interested in Auburn there was no mutual interest at all there I think Purdue's got some some viability and they've got some stability and when you have that you can say hey we actually do it like this or you know we don't pay for our coaches with HELOCs we actually just like pay them with like money and Dion's like well I don't like that I do things my way you know stuff like that so I think the more we talk about the more I think he looked at um, uh, a crater of a program, and he's like, I can, I can do everything I want. I have well, complete oversight here. What was the weirdest part of the first few days of Dion as a Colorado Buffalo? Um, man, I don't know. What was it? Dion in those colors. I don't hate it. Look, I've always loved the Colorado colors. I, I've always been a fan. I like them too, but we've only ever seen him in red, blue, silver, and gold. Sure. And well, we've just, seen the, the the dirty birds, the black, white, and red, and I think that that. But there um, was there was red in there. Now it's just black and gold. It's just a different look for Dion. It was just, I don't know. Is, you is ready it, for? Are you ready for a hot take? It's a little early, but you're ready for villain it? Dion. You know what I mean? Okay, like NWO Dion. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. I like yes. that a lot. Let's hear this hot take. I think the best version of Dion Sanders, like visi- visually, 
um, is when he played for the Cincinnati Reds and he uh, wore his socks all the way up and they had the pinstripe uh, red and gray uniforms. That's the best version of Deion Sanders. That's he's never looked faster than when he played for the Cincinnati. He looked pretty fast in a Ravens uniform. He never looked faster. I thought I said this just now, but I guess I didn't. He He never looked looked faster than when he was with the Reds. I I agree. That was a great, that was a great look, but he looked pretty fast as a Raven and he looked really fast with all the armbands and wristbands and stuff as a 49er. Can I be honest with you? I forgot he was on the Ravens. Like you're saying, and I'm assuming that's true, but I don't remember that. And then like seven years later, almost came back. Incredible. I feel like he could still play right now. I don't know. I think, um, you know, if we did an impromptu over under of four and a half wins next year, what are you taking? Over. Definitely over. Okay. You're betting a lot on his son as being a really good quarterback. You think his son's definitely ready to be a good quarterback? In the Pac-12? Yes. Okay. Can, uh, speaking of college football coaches, can we talk about Hugh Freeze again? So What's soon? he done? What's he done? Listen, it's not... Ah. You love this. Is, oh, is, I, I love is it. Hugh Freeze your new Bo Nix and no. happens to be at the same school? It's just a guy... You just want crazy bad things to happen and then so you can celebrate? You know, it's just when like uh, it's like a, when a when a a pet is doing something wrong, and like you have a big conflict, and then ten seconds later they do the wrong thing again, and you're like, what? What? I'm supposed to? I have to do this again because you keep screwing up. I can't ignore it because then you think it's okay. It's it's just the fascination of Hugh Freeze, and I feel like the more he seems like someone, the more we pay close attention to him, the more weird stuff we see, and that's maybe the fascination I have, but Jason Kirk actually had this on Twitter. Uh, I guess it was a couple of days ago, but Hugh Freeze's Twitter account that he is not, he has like to get approved, right? The, the account that he has to have approved by a handler. They, to send messages. they brought in a PR firm just for his Twitter account. That's right. So they got to like go through every single thing and be like, are you harassing a sexual uh, uh, assault victim? No. Okay. We can post this. Great. Well, so uh, it's been tweeting out inspirational quotes and ideas but people will do the thing where they'll search the exact quote and he's just copying and pasting from the Bible in a year.org and passing them off as his own. And it's just, I don't, what? Is <laughs> like that really he, what's it's, happening? It's a, it's a, go check out Jason Kirk on uh, Twitter. He's got it. He's got like the breakdown. Um, but if he was a high school girl at the high school, he was administrator at that would get him paddled by himself. You know, that would get him laid over his lap and paddled. Like he allegedly did. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't know that we're long for the Hugh Freeze world. Because even his staff wasn't really impressive either. It was a lot of Liberty Liberty boys and uh, some old old Miss guys. And I was I was a little surprised that he didn't get a more talented roster put together. Yeah, like Dion did. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. But I don't know, man. Hugh Freeze is a wild, wild guy. Do you feel like there's a weirder vibe, a, a, a more different vibe than Deion Sanders as a head coach versus Hugh Freeze as a head coach? Deion as a head coach is still so weird to me. Good for him but, and everything. You know what the thing is? He wins everywhere. He's he's he won in high school. He won a small level college. Like he's he's actually made his way. I don't know that people give him enough credit for that. I if you told me Hugh Freeze was going to have a cameo on Righteous Gemstones season three, I wouldn't be stunned. Or there's going to be a Hugh Freeze character, I wouldn't be stunned. If you I'd told me that Dion was, I wouldn't be stunned either. These are like a bizarro world of each other. If I could get one scene with Baby Billy. <laughs> Uncle Baby Bill and Deion Sanders. That's all I want in my life. Please. <laughs> um, let's talk about the transfer portal. I alluded to it earlier. Um, this, it, it's obviously it's wild. And I think that's such an understated way to talk about it because to me, it feels like college football is already different. It's already changed. And it's already very different from what we understand, but in a way where like 
an earthquake happens on the other side of the planet, but the tsunami hasn't hit us yet. So we're not readily aware of how different it is. And that's what it feels like is happening in the transfer portal, because obviously there's a flood of transfer uh, uh, prospects now. But I think more than anything, it's the money that's happening, the money, the, the market evaluation that's going on. I think it's not getting really reported enough. So I don't think we understand how much like a guy like Drake May, I saw um, rumors, they're rumors, but some reliable sources suggesting he passed up eight million dollars to stay in North Carolina. Eight million dollars, because when compared to what uh, Nico, the the Nico kid got from Tennessee, which is mostly reported at eight million dollars. Drake may considerably could have gotten eight, 10 reliably. Um, I, I don't understand how we're not talking more about that because that now the game is completely different from what we ever understood it to be on top of that. And that, and I'm, I've heard and not like from sources, but we like to pretend like they're sources mm-hmm. definitely from other podcasts and reading stuff that there are 10 million plus deals going on annually. Yeah. And no one's talking about how big some of these NIL numbers actually are. Now, I think I think I saw SI uh, SI's Ross Dellinger. I think um, he is. He said a book was. He's got his hands on a book of like kind of the uh, the blue book of NIL. And so I think we're we're working towards formalizing it a little more. But there isn't a lot of visibility on what's going on here, and there never was. So I don't, that doesn't bother me. But I think it's just more it's newsworthy. And I think it'd be fascinating to understand what some of these guys are making and what some of these programs are getting some of these guys, because we know what's happening. And I don't understand the reticence of like, I understand Kirk Herbstreet is like old man who screams at the sky, you know, because he doesn't think players should be able to market themselves like this. Meanwhile, you know, he's peddling himself out on Amazon every uh, Thursday night. And honestly, did you watch much of the Rams? We're recording this on uh, the night after the Rams Raiders game where Baker Mayfield inexplicably beats the Raiders. Did you watch that game? I did not watch that game. I, I got to tell you, I've watched a few Amazon Prime games um, and Hershey's terrible. He's really, really bad. It I feels like a guy who's not I don't prepared. mind him. Uh, it, it's, the problem is I, I'm not I, saying I, he's I, good. Well, I watched his college football broadcasts and he's so thoughtful and prepared and knowledgeable. And with the NFL, it is just... It's like watching your son try to dictate like what's going on in the on the screen. I've watched several of the Thursday night ones as well, and all the Al Michaels jokes are pretty true. Now I love Al, and he mm. he can phone it in all he wants, and I still love him. But maybe it's just the the vibe is off in the booth for both. Oh, there's no, there is no chemistry because there was a play last night where uh, Baker Mayfield throws uh, a pass. It's pass interference. It's called on the, on, uh, the Raiders. Um, and Kirk Herstory's like, Al, you know what I think happened there? I think the receiver realized he wasn't going to get to that ball. And he just ran into the Raiders defender. That didn't happen. If you just watched it, you could tell that didn't happen. And Al just let it sit. And he goes, maybe. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was like the most subtle assassination I've ever heard in my life, but there's just, there's just nothing happening there. But man, I don't know. Like I just, we these numbers are getting insane and I, i'm not mad at the players i'm so happy for the players i'm more mad that we're not making more sense of this right now you know i i think that even more than the actual amount of dollars is the amount of times people are transferring i know that that probably will settle down at some point because you're only supposed to be able to transfer once in the portal right. or something but there's mm-hmm. 2020 made everything very weird um, and I'm glad they're not counting that year against anybody, but that made it weird. And then you can get an extra transfer with a waiver or whatever, blah, 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 blah. But that, that one year, two year 
contract, if you will, that's mm-hmm. not a contract. That's the crazier part to me. Like anybody can leave at any time. DJ just leaving because the other guy was better. Like that, that's crazy. And I hope he does not end up at Notre Dame. I'm hearing West Coast. Let's keep it yeah. that way. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, but you the, know, you know what I've read, uh, how some of the collectives w- wiggle out of that is I signed you you're a hot quarterback coming out both like visually, but also athletically hot quarterback. You're coming out. I'm going to give you 8 million over three years. Um, I'm tying that to in-person perform uh, appearances at local places. So if you transfer out that contract becomes null and void because you're not making your in-person appearances because you, you started at Notre Dame, but then you went to Wisconsin and you can't, you know, you obviously can't make that travel every single week. So there's some, and, and see, even that to me is fascinating. Why aren't we talking more about the ins and outs, the poison pills, of these contracts, some of the, the ways these, because you can't tie the NIL to, you have to be at the school. I think that is, I don't know if illegal is the right term, but it's not a, it's not a way that they can currently construct the contracts. But there are ways they're getting around this, and I don't know why we're not covering it more. It, it's a, it feels like everyone thinks it's icky, uh, so there's like a, uh, unwillingness to go into it. But I think it is the most fascinating part of the sport at this point. I totally agree, and I, I think that there's more to come. And, and like you were talking about before, that correction I believe is still going to come. It's something that Rosillo talks about quite a bit, which is the idea that at some point, by the way, coaches, we didn't talk about Trent Dilfer, UAB. Um, Mm. But the correction is going to be like, at some point, aren't these boosters going to be like, hey, I'm paying this money and it's still Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama, Clemson, and and rotate in the college playoff final four. Like at some point, the numbers in theory would go down. But I think some of these boosters, uh, let's make make up a school, Louisiana Tech. The mm-hmm. boosters that are head over heels for Louisiana Tech and have millions and millions and millions, they're probably doing it as some kind of write-off. And the money's just probably – it's the same as if when it was going to charity and now it's going to the football team so that they can have influence and get in the locker room and all this stuff. So the money's just going to keep happening probably. Yeah, I think it stays there. And I think even with the uh, playoff field expanding, now you have more possibilities for teams to sneak in. Yeah. Uh, because even I think the UTSA That's quarterback – crazy. That guy deciding to stay, I can't remember his name, but that was the result. I think he took, from what I read, he took his NIL number to market and was like, can you guys get close to this? And they did. So he stayed. And I think, so that's a fascinating example. But, but yeah, I, I just, um, I don't understand why we're not talking about it more. Um, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, some journalists will, will get out there and give us some more details and latitude on it. Um, I'm also a little unsure of why we're supposed to accept that Eli Manning and Pete Davidson are BFFs? Have you seen this on the internet? I heard they're in a relationship. Yeah, they have an Instagram account together, and obviously, it's it's in conjunction with Eli Manning's TV show. You know, like uh, it's a whole thing. Like Pete Davidson evidently has a bunch of Eli Manning merch in his bedroom, but I don't understand the angle. I don't understand what we're doing. Even though I think independently, I think I have arrived that I like both guys. I think I like both guys. Both guys. If you take out the fact that Pete is on all these publicity relationships, he's not done anything bad to anybody. No, no. Just kind of a weird guy. I like the Taco Bell commercials. I love the Taco Bell commercials. When the guy's like, are you on script right now? He's like, uh, there's a script? I didn't know that. I love it. I think it's incredible. I, I think don't he's think a capitalist. He... Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's the best stand-up, stand-up um, comic. He's not no. my favorite. Um, no. But I like him in bit parts in movies. When he was in um, The Setup. Is that the one with uh, Zoe? Yes. And Glenn. Yes. Uh, he was awesome in that. And... I thought King of Staten Island was good. Like I've got nothing against Pete Davidson. Eli is the one 
I don't know. Is it shtick? Is it not shtick? I don't think it's shtick, actually. I think because... Chad Powers was real. <laughs> and I think we need to let him cook a little bit more. Honestly, I do. Because he's like kind of not good at talking. But when he throws barbs at Peyton, yes. it's hilarious. If you back him into the corner, he will snap back. Yeah, don't don't put Baby in the corner. You don't know what he's gonna do. Did you I watched the uh the most recent Manning cast for most of that game. Um uh it was a terrible game, the 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 Buck Saints, but uh Rainy Moss was on. It was pretty interesting. I, I I'm kinda tilting more Eli than Peyton right now, honestly. It's 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 close because Peyton is taking it I don't want to say too serious because he's having fun with it, mm. but he gets so mad at everything that happens. But the problem is for Eli is that Eli has Eli face during yeah, the Manning cast while Peyton is doing sports bits or talking yes. to the guest. Eli looks like he's frozen. Like sometimes I get worried that the screen has frozen for him. Yeah. Like he's like blown a fuse. Yes. Just like, no, like in his brain, blown a fuse. Yeah, it's not great. He did have a good moment because Peyton was like, I talked to Tom, you know, for this game. And he was talking about this. And he was like, we get it. You're friends. Okay. Can we, can we move on? <laughs> those are the ones I love. And like every time those happen, Eli's percentage of me liking him goes up 1%. And there's been a ton of them this year, especially with the Chad Power stuff and mm-hmm. everything. Like it's, I don't know. I like him too. Did you uh, see Body, Body, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? No, uh, I did not. It, I hated it. I hated it so much. I watched it this weekend. I really didn't like it at all. It's not a good Pete Davidson. It's an extraordinary Lee Pace. Lee Pace is incredible in it. Um, but it's really just a, an annoying movie with an annoying resolution. You know? I just thought about something. Wasn't there... What was the James Franco spring break or something? Yeah. Was it kind of like I that? Think, no. Uh, it was a little more likable. Like that, that movie... Ashley and I got in the biggest fight of our marriage after we watched that movie because <laughs> I was straight going from the RT scores and I was like, look, this is my job. You know, this is what I do, baby. Like this is how I, I put a, a roof over our head. Okay. This is like 87. We got to see it. And she was like, I don't know. It looks weird. I was like, just trust me. It'll be fine. I, I was not familiar with Harmony Corinne's work, who is a weirdo, a certifiable weirdo. That's the <laughs> stupidest, weirdest, grossest, strangest movie I've ever seen. We left in the middle and we got in a huge fight in the parking lot. <laughs> so I don't have fond feelings about that movie, to be honest. I've never seen it, but I'm just wondering is if Pete Davidson, luckily for us, took James Franco's lunch money. Oh, so what you are saying is a really interesting idea, idea I've never thought of, which is, is, is Pete Davidson marking, cor- market correcting James Franco? Yes. And I think he is. I really think he is. Bit parts in the zeitgeist. Friends with people, but not doing the other weird and terrible stuff that Franco was allegedly doing. He has disappeared, so you know he did something back bad. You know, we we know some of the bad things he did, obviously. Yeah. But you, you know it probably was worse, because he hasn't come back at all. Spacey tried to come back. Louis C.K. has come back. Spacey, my man, you just got, like, the guilty, or you got the non-guilty verdict, which is dicey but like maybe give it a weekend. He was like, no, we're doing it. We're doing like bombs over Baghdad part three. I'm I'm out on Kevin Spacey for the record disavow, but you know, Louis CK's back. James Franco gone. Yeah. Ghosted. I don't, I don't think we miss him. Honestly, I don't know. We have Pete Davidson and and Eli and their relationship. Incredible. That's a great call. That's a great call. Um, Okay. Let's go. uh, Let's talk uh, survivor. We had, you actually texted me after you watched it and you were like, holy cow. We have to talk about Survivor. Um, so obviously for the rest of this episode, we're going to be talking Survivor. So if you haven't watched, um, go ahead and skip a Um, But let's, we'll, we'll do the prism of overs and unders. I wanted to ask you, how enjoyable 
has the season been for you on a scale of one to 10? Uh, I'm going to set the over under eight and a half. And I'm asking because I think in conversation, we're both indicating we've enjoyed the season. Everything I see online, people are not thrilled with the season. They have not liked this season. And I I'm not seeing that. that. I'm not I, seeing I, that, I but I'm not deep in, I don't have, I'm not deep into the survivor follows yet. This sure. is the only, the third season that I've watched 41, 42, 43. Um, I've watched them all in full, done a little extra research on each of them as you do, but this is definitely an over. This has been good people, good characters. I don't want to say good people, but good, good characters on the show. And there's been great twists. There's been good, um, competitions. I thought like the actual games they're playing and whatnot, they, they kept some of the stuff that you were not liking, but they got rid of the hourglass, smash the hourglass thing, which I kind of liked, but. I see now why it was like not survivorish. It was you know you're the very only gimmicky on the internet who liked that. Literally, you're the only person who's like this was good I because it was this. a giant twist and a giant you know like it gave someone power. So I liked that part of it, mm-hmm. but it felt too gimmicky for <laughs> what I now know of Survivor. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm over. I'm way over. Um, I've liked I, 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 to your point. I think. They have, um, they've maintained the difficulty because really it was after, I guess, 40 where they turned up the volume on, this is going to be hard and difficult and we're not going to give you things like they weren't used to. They would give you the shelter stuff. They give you the fishing stuff. So you didn't have to earn any of that. You you didn't have to earn your Flint, stuff like that. Now you have to earn everything. So I feel like in the first, you have to even earn rice. Yeah. Well, yeah, they would always give you that. And I did learn like they give you electrolyte packets. They always, they give you one a day. So I thought that was interesting, but um, wait, I have a question on this topic. Don't forget your thing. I've noticed that the women shave their legs. Do they really? They're not getting super hairy. Hmm. Carla and Cassidy have been there for 23 days and they don't have hair on their legs. I'm. I'm, And And nobody's beards. Like, you know how my beard, your beard is shaped up. Sure. There's some continuity of appearance throughout this so is there a bathroom see i'm fat I, I i'm sure i can learn this but i also don't want to know this correct you know correct. to the extent but uh, I correct. that's what i'm asking you and not looking it up sure. well it's like how much do you just want to like do producers be like hey whatever it is it is and like if you accidentally like urinate on in your shorts on the first day those are stained for the duration of your time i'm sorry about that and then how much is like we do have viewers at home who are in their clean living rooms and have just taken a shower and they don't want to like live through that. Um, I would love to know how they, how they delineate. Cause you will see bandages. So I'm like, if it's a health hazard, but I, I'm like, I'd have to brush my teeth. I'd have to brush my teeth. I can't not brush my teeth. That's, that's a, that's a great one. They're going to have people not brush their teeth. No. And not floss for 23 days. I mean, I've definitely gone 23 days without flossing, but I've never gone 23 days without brushing my teeth. I'm flossing every night and it's because I have like this one spot behind a tooth where stuff gets wedged. And if that happens, I'm not good for anything. I'm not talking strategy with you. I'm not helping you get firewood. I'm not going to the water. I'm not looking for an idol. I have to get this thing out of my mouth okay. right now. Smooch, Mary kill. <laughs> a gnat, that thing that gets stuck in your teeth <laughs> or something else. <sighs> if there's a gnat in my presence, I, that's the priority. I have to kill the gnat. <laughs> We had a pre-recording Nat incident, and um, I was teasing you because you like to give Jamie and Aaron crap for not paying attention, but you yeah. were like, I'm going to need a minute. This thing, this fruit fly is happening. It's uh, listen, I know my focus, and I have to be – I just – I don't understand people who are like, there's a spider in the room, and they go to like get something to kill it, and it's gone. They're like, oh, well, I'll figure it out later. No, you have to tear the room <laughs> apart. You have to kill the spider. 
You can't live in this world where maybe the spider comes up later. Maybe it's in your mouth at night. But there's like 10 other spiders if there's that spider. I did read, I read like uh, Cody's exit interview and he was talking about how they're like bush, they call them bush babies, like bush birds that protect their nests. And at night they like scream and cry and they hop around on the people sleeping. Like they'll just like jump on you. And that's, when I hear that stuff, I'm like, I could never do this show. I'm not. I'm not doing like multiple weeks of not sleeping because of birds on my shoulder or, or rats getting, are nipping at my or getting head. rained on or it being like freezing cold. I'm not doing that. It's or burning hot. No, but I think the post 40, it got more difficult. And I think the first few seasons were suffered because of that, because the enjoy, it was a little misery pornish because it's just like, everything sucks and everybody's wet and there's no fire and everybody's unhappy. Um, this season or this, yeah, this season, I think they turned it back on a little bit where um, we're going to give you some stuff. So uh, the vibe round camps a little better. We're going to give you those reward challenges, which the reward challenges are my favorite because I love pastries and coffee and what it makes people do to get to it and what it reveals. So I've, I've enjoyed this immensely. Obviously um, at what point in the last episode, did you realize Cody was going home? I, I didn't realize it until Jesse said it. Okay. Oh, Okay. Like even even during the vote, what vote at the end? Yeah, like when oh, I'm sorry, even during the tribal council, I knew before like, tribal council. I knew as soon as as soon as Jesse went to I think Owen first and was like, okay, and he was like shaking and he was like, I think I'm gonna do this. Okay, and the, he, when he said that like in front of Owen, yeah, like he voiced his what he was physically feeling, and then put that plan in motion. I believed at that point Cody was going home. Now. I actually thought this is a weird Cody edit. Now we talked about this last week. Mm -hmm. Cody has not had the spaz moments that I think that he is very capable of. Mm -hmm. He got the spaz edit at the beginning of this episode after he got the coffee. And he probably, that was probably a tame edit compared to what that coffee did to him after that long of not having coffee. Well, he did say in his interview that um, he had so much coffee that he gathered up firewood for like six hours and then and never slept. He was like, I couldn't sleep. I just sat there kicking myself because I was so mad at how much coffee. <laughs> Which is incredible. I don't know why we didn't get that footage. He did just get like, the spaz at it, but I think that, I thought that that was for fun. I didn't think he was going home because him and Jesse were so close and I couldn't understand why Jesse would break that up. But I get, I get that his logic is sound. And I really want to talk about what happens next for Jesse in here in a minute. But I get that Jesse's logic was sound that he wanted to be on record as, as having a big move. I just yep. didn't. I thought it could come next week. Well, next week, everyone's looking for it. Everyone's trying to secure their move into the final four, which means they have a chance to get to the final three. Um, uh, but I, th- I, I think what the kids and I were talking about was Jesse never won. I don't think Jesse's won an immunity challenge i also don't think so but i don't know for certain doesn't have anything good on the books there i think strategically he's got the case but i don't know that everyone else knows that he has the case for it necessarily so i think uh, for a jury you need that big splashy move and i think cody i think he was playing the louder game so i think i think jesse's instincts were completely right i think time and time again they showed the season jesse's instincts the second he says something it's almost like it locks into, yes, you're exactly right. Because what he was trying to do to Carla, even though it didn't work, and what he was doing this week, and I read, because I had some questions about, like, because obviously Cody got the idol back and showed it to Carla. And I, I wanted to understand, like, how did this happen? How did Jesse get it back? Because at first I thought, is that Jesse's idol or is that Cody's? Like, who was he playing for? So it was a little unclear. But from what I understand, um, 
Jesse gave him his idol back. Uh, he showed it to Carla. And then Jesse said to Cody, I think Carla might have a knowledge is power advantage. So if you're holding that, it's game over at the at tribal council. And he never asked for the idol back, but Cody did give it to him back, which is how he got into possession of it. Cody said it's because he didn't ask for it back. That's why I didn't think anything was up. Because if he if he wanted it back, I would have known something was something was askew. But um, that kind of held the line for Jesse. But I think it was the the silent and the incredibly subtle way that Jesse's always had six moves lined up, depending on what other people do to provoke them. You know, but that just got exposed. So th- so let me let me just uh, make one quick point. I, you said uh, the jury and that he hasn't won any individual immunity challenges. I don't understand how that makes you better at Survivor that you can hold your breath underwater or you can hold something above your your head. Like if I'm on that jury, I don't care if you've won an individual immunity challenge or not. What are you what are you looking for if you're on the jury? Like what's your thing? What are you like? Gameplay. I'm, I'm giving my Yeah. See, I think a lot of I don't know if the game encourages this, but I think a lot of people are like, I want you to be good socially, I want you to be good physically, and I want you to be good intellectually. So if someone's just one aspect but think They're about who's won 41 and 42. Like, they weren't great physically. Yeah, it's true. No, you're but right. But they were good socially when needed to be. And I, I, I guess, I guess, I mean, I've, I keep hearing that as well about the individual immunity challenges. And they say it on the show. Like, oh, you've never won. Jeff makes a big deal about it. You've won three, four, whatever it is. And, the, and they make a big deal about it. I just don't see the impact on that. Well, to, and, and to your point, I do think if you win too many, you're a problem. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because Cody was a problem. I think Cassidy is a problem because they're threats to win. So I think it's one of those things where you want one, but you don't want more than one. You know what I mean? As soon as you go over one and a half, you're a problem. So now back to the Jesse thing. I think he peaked too early. I think he made the biggest play of of the game so far at a time when there's about to be a divide between Carla and Cassidy. And I'm wondering if he gets too far into that like sammy did not as messily if he tries to get too far into that divide that we have in the previews for the next episode and they're like wait a minute jesse just made a major move so i think he's gonna have to play his individual immunity as soon as he can yeah so he'll play but the thing is here's the interesting part i think you're i think you're right there's a lot of um truth to what you're saying but it's a calculated risk he had to take because you got to get that on the resume you got to get that on a resume and you have to do it before people are anticipating you doing it number two i think um having planted some of the seeds of cassidy and carla being at each other's throats he's going to be able to play that alliance against themselves but i also think um he knows carla and cassidy can't both go to the final because they've played too similar a game. So one of them is going to turn on the other and that's going to give him an in. And I think lastly, no one knows he has Janine's idol. So when he plays that, I think he can play the game as if he doesn't have it to see what people are doing. And then when he brings that out, that's a second big move for the jury that they're going to see, but he's also going to be able to either forge an alliance with someone or completely blindside another person because they don't know he has that. So once it gets to four, all bets are off, but that's always the case, right? It's all, it, once it gets to four, it's whoever wins immunity and whoever wants to go and whoever is forced to make fire. So he's going to get into the four with the biggest kind of momentum. And then it's up to him to hopefully win the immunity or be able to make fire. I don't know if he can make fire. I just know one of the things I wanted to see was Sammy making fire against people, 
because my guy, I don't think you were right on a lot of your, your, uh, uh, intuitions on Sammy, but you were dead right on his ability to make fire because it was like snap a <laughs> finger and it's an inferno. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Sammy got messier and messier, and uh, I bailed. I bailed on that early enough. I th- I did think that for a nineteen year old, he played a good game socially with yeah. everything going on around him. Um, but yeah, that that fell apart. But is, Very... is he a pyromani- pyromaniac? People are talking. People are asking. <laughs> he, to be uh, that young and that good at fire was ridiculous. Why don't they have like a uh, YouTube shorts or something? Uh, Survivor YouTube shorts where it's just people making ex ex contestants making fire against each other. Like, oh, wouldn't you want to see that. like a, an interview of Sammy and Cody interviewing each other and then making fire against each other? It's like hot ones, but it's yeah. just like making fire. That's I love that idea. TM, we own that now. That's yeah. ours. <laughs> we will produce it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this this Jesse thing because he got an absolute heroes edit. He got the sob edit. He got all of that. We've seen that edit for him before. Mm-hmm. Of the people left, who else have we seen edits like that for? That's the question, right? It's uh, it's not just it's Gabler. Yes, but I think that was like you're going to watch a really strange immunity where he's playing for different states of the union, where he's going to be competing for Idaho. <laughs> That's Here's fair. how we make that make sense. Otherwise, you're not going to understand what's happening. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it remains one of the strangest things I've ever seen on Survivor. But, I, I mean, well, let's ask the question then. Let's do an over-under. Where would you rank Gabler's chances among the remaining Survivors? If I set it at four and a half, under meaning last at five, over meaning first, second, third, or fourth, where are you leaning? Over. It's one. Of, I think it's one of the ladies going home this episode. I really do. I think Owen and Gabler are going to sit back. I think Jesse's going to do the bare minimum or the maximum. I know that's kind of, kind of sounds hypocritical, but what I mean is like whatever is needed is mm-hmm. what he's going to do yeah. to not be on the chopping block after he just did that big move. And maybe they're teasing us with the preview for next week, which of course I'm not buying all the way into that, but it almost happened this week. So I don't think that that's just going to go away. Yeah, because I think you're right. I think Owen and Gabler are going to vote together. They're going to stick together and protect themselves. Carla and Cassie are going to turn on each other. So it's going to be one of the uh, – they're going to be on the chopping block, and everyone's going to think Jesse is, but Jesse's not because of that immunity idol. So where does it go from there? I th- I think Gabler is – it's weird. I think he's going to be in the final three. I think he has no chance of winning. I think he has no chance of winning. Do you want to hear a really hot take? Please. If I was betting right now, I would bet that Owen wins this season. Oh, I mean, you'd get great value because there's no way that's happening. You know, I don't know that he, to me, third season, he is fitting the mold of the last two winners. Exactly. Of getting hot late. Yeah. Of getting hot late of somehow having some pressure on them in the middle. And now seemingly there's no Owen pressure at all. There's No. no one looking at Owen to vote him. But that is also inherent to um, no one respects you. No one's scared of you. I know, right? but if it's Gabler, Carla, who thing. got a little messy at the end, and if, and Owen at the end? It's got to be, even if it's Gabler, Owen, it's got to be Carla, Cassie, or Jesse. One of those three has to be in the final three, and any of those three beat Gabler or Owen, I think. I think that Carla might not, because everyone knows that she's been bold-faced lying several times now. And they're going to hold that again. So, so I'm saying Owen only wins if it's because if it's Cassidy or Jesse, I think they win. Probably if if it's Carla, Owen, and Gabler, I think Owen wins. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Maybe you like Carla, maybe. I know, but she now she's been caught as a direct boldface liar. You're you're not wrong. Did you think it was weird how Carla lied to Cody's face about not having the idol, and then later in the episode she was like, "I have an idol," and he was like, "Cool, that's great." Yeah, like <laughs> we didn't get any in between of like that was really rude what you did, like just lying to my face, or was he just so caffeined up that it just didn't even? Register? He was so caffeined up, like that was a that was the exact. I got off of Sammy at the right time, and I. I I, I didn't call, but I was like, it's so weird that we haven't had a Cody, a crazy Cody episode. And then it came, yeah. you know what I mean? I did feel bad for him. I did feel really bad. But at the end of the day, if nothing else on Survivor, you hold on to your own idol. But again, see, that's that was a the, blind side. It that was a was, true blind side. That was a true blind side. But it was an unforced error too on Cody's part. Yes. But I think that's why I wish they would have included the exchange about the knowledge is power. I think that's where the knowledge is power actually playing it hasn't been that interesting it's the threat of playing it that's what's made the seasons interesting it's how it affects the dynamics because jesse is a direct um beneficiary not just of having a secret idol from janine but also in getting cody out because he wouldn't get cody out without that so i think it's just a fascinating way that the show's evolved um i yeah i think it would if i had to rank i think it's jesse skip a bunch and then I would say probably Carla, because I feel like we've got more of her edit than Cassidy, than Cass- Owen and Gabler. I think I switched Cassidy and Carla, but I do agree on the order. But again, I just, it, I've really enjoyed this cast. I've really enjoyed this season. I've been so, uh, I've been a little overwhelmed the last two seasons, I think, but this one has just been so good. So I'm just, I'm just glad that we've had this. And I hope it's, it's going to feel a little weird though. If Jesse doesn't win, to be honest with you, because he has deserved it. And when they did that, like crying in the bushes, if I got to be more brutal, I'll be more brutal. I was like, dog, I got goosebumps. That wasn't that wasn't crying in the bushes. That was being angry and sad and revved up and confused. Like that was that was man on fire stuff. I like he was like, everyone's talking about having a good experience. Don't care. Not interested. I'm providing for my family. And but the best player you told me the best player does not always win. No, they haven't. So I don't know if we course correct this season because I hope we do because it's just going to feel weird if Jesse is on the sideline like Omer last year or something like that. So and remember, I'm only watching Survivor now because a you love it and I love you, so I want to be invested in your world. But also, the bigger point and the more important thing than our love for each other <laughs> is that these Survivor players are now going on to the challenge. Yes, that's true. I stopped watching the real world because I'm not doing that. Right. If it's even on. But I want I want to see... This is the minor leagues for the challenge. Yes. <laughs> I know you would see it backwards, the other way of that. But sure. I want to see Cody go on the challenge. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about Cody in the challenge. I didn't yeah. even think about Cody in the challenge. The problem with the challenge is just it, it's gotten so plodding. The pace Careful. is so, Careful. I just I need it to um I don't know if we need less players. You know? We don't need we don't need hour and a half episodes every week. That's what we, we don't need. I don't I don't know. The rest is the rest I like. I don't think we ever need hour and a half episodes of anything on television anymore. Even succession. Give me an hour. Give me a tight hour. There's something nice about hitting a deadline. Um everything else over an hour is just like super messy. Um I don't know. I don't know. So I, I I do need that to happen, but otherwise I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled where we're at now. So I think we're in good hands. Um, okay, let's go cameo close to the pin and wrap this up. Um we uh so we currently see I'm at five, you're at three point two five um after uh guessing through Freddie Prince Jr. last week. Um to honor survivor conversation, I wanted to uh 
select someone who, you know, we talked about Sammy being really good at fire. This was also a guy who um, he, because Mike made fire, right? Mike made fire last season. I thought he did because I thought at first it was a little wobbly. Like, can a fireman not make fire? But then yeah, and then like, it and then it and then it turned into a scorcher or something. Yeah, like that. then he was he threatened like the whole island, like the whole <laughs> culture of the island because the fire was so blazing. So uh, I wanted to honor Mike. I've, I can't remember his last name. I could have scrolled down, but I would have seen his score. So we're going to call him the guy from New York. Like, it was like old white guy who sounded like Mike Tyson. Yeah, that's how I remember him. So white uh, Mike Tyson, Mike white Mike Tyson. Um, I'm so we're guessing personal price and then the business price. This is tricky. Hmm. I'm underthinking it instead of overthinking it these days, and it's not working out for me. So maybe you overthinking it is the right strategy. But I, I am, I am prepared. Okay, I feel good. This might be a direct hit. Honestly, this might be a perfect score. I feel it right now. Okay, my score. I've got seventy four, and then five thousand for the business price. One hundred and one thousand. Why'd you do seventy four? You thought I was coming in at seventy five? Yeah, yeah. Tried to <laughs> straddle both sides of it. One hundred, one thousand. Okay. Survey says. Mike, wow. You can have Mike for $49. Um, is that with a discount or is that the regular price? That is the regular price. Dang, That's Mike, regular price. undervaluing yourself. And he he can be booked for $273 for a business video. <laughs> what? What are these Mike, prices? You've been on TV. You deserve more than that. I don't know what the cut of Maybe that's what the is. market is uh, demanding for White Mike Tyson. That's that might be fair. He's always uh, he's called highly responsive. Um, he is often this is interesting. Often he will do the eyeglasses, but with sunglasses on his head. So two pairs of glasses on his head while he does your cameo. That's not included in the price. How often do you call them eyeglasses? Um, well, I was trying to differentiate between sunglasses and eyeglasses because I didn't Stop want saying to... eyeglasses. OK, so um, sunglasses glasses. are eyeglasses. So glasses and sunglasses. So he often wears two pairs of glasses. Doesn't that feel better to you? I do like the specificity of eyeglasses, to be honest with (laughs) you. But sunglasses are eyeglasses. Mm, Yeah, they are. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Almost challenged you, but had no grounds. I was excited. I was excited for the challenge. It was like sliding down a glacier, just trying to grab something, but there's nothing to grab. Nothing to grab. Incredible. Uh, um, okay. Well, that's it for this episode of the Over Underachievers. Before you go, please remember to follow the show on Twitter at OU Achievers and on Instagram at Over Underachievers. Also, if you want to spread the word, you can do so by leaving a five-star rating review or by sharing the show with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. I'm Knox. Be Jason. We'll see you next time. Bad, 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 bad,